0: Hey, y'all from NPR. It's been a minute. I'm Sam Sanders. It's Tuesday, and I've got a conversation for you. This week, I'm talking with Uzo Aduba, the Emmy Award-winning actress. Uzo plays Suzanne Crazy Eyes Warren, perhaps my favorite character on the Netflix show, Orange is the New Black. Crazy Eyes is the kind of character that you cannot forget, the kind of character you find yourself thinking about and wondering about long after the show is done. This role is a stark portrayal of the realities of mental illness and how someone with mental illness survives prison. But it's also full of these really big universal themes that we all experience, like love and this idea that all of us contain multitudes and can be more than one thing at once. Uzo describes Crazy Eyes as a woman who wields, quote, a sledgehammer and a pacifier all at the same time.
1: Are you a real woman, Chapman, a real grown woman? I'm not like all these other girls around here. I need a real woman. I'm sure that you'll find one. I wrote a poem. You want to hear? You know, that's fine. (laughs) Before I met you, the sun was like a yellow grape. But now, it looked like fire in the sky. Why? Because you light a fire inside me.
0: Netflix is dropping the sixth season of the show on Friday, and this chat will for sure help super fans get ready for that, but trust me, you will still love this chat even if you've never seen the show. That is because Uzo and I get into a lot. We talk about what it's like to grow up dark-skinned and black and Nigerian in a very small, very white Massachusetts town. Also, Uzo tells me about how she was just about to give up on acting right before she got the gig on Orange. And she has this really cool story all about that moment. It involves Oprah and Lorne Michaels and a little bit of the supernatural. This was a very fun chat. Uzo was in NPR's New York Bureau, and I was here in L.A. All right, enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy. It's such an honor to talk with you today. And you too.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, my God. No, thank you for making the time and dealing with trying to get to Bryant Park. And <laughs> It's a pleasure. I don't ever get mad at folks in New York for being late to the studio because I tell folks, like, trying to commute in Manhattan is like an American Ninja Warrior obstacle course. Yes. With it's... the smell of piss.
1: Yes, and to do it from Brooklyn is, like... I might as well have brought a passport and a visa (laughs) and, like, (laughs) (laughs) every other
0: world of commuting. Oh, yeah. And, like, for me, it's, like, I always wonder, do I enjoy the hellishness of, like, a subway public transit commute that's 45 minutes or an hour (laughs) or the hellaciousness of driving in traffic for that long?
1: I will go with traffic because— Oh, really? Well, you know, here's the thing. It's, like, we automatically are eliminating the urine— (laughs) Out the gate. That's true. (laughs) There's that. (laughs) We're automatically eliminating that. We're also automatically eliminating the like – dodgeball, like, adult game of, like, oh yeah musical chairs yeah. of, like, really trying to negotiate, is that person getting up at the next step? Are they? How far away is that person? Do they see that they're getting up? Can I get in that seat before them? I'm going to have to, like, strategically start, yeah. like, moving towards the seat. Indicate to the person who's about to mm-hmm. get up, like, are you getting up so I can get that seat? <laughs> and I need to do it, like, pretty visibly <laughs> so everybody yes. is clear like, that is
0: my seat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like, a lot. You're right. There is There is more... Yeah. More variables. Uh, I am so excited to chat with you about your show and your stage work and everything, but I got to start with a weird, hopefully not too creepy question. Uh Uh-oh. I know, I know. So before I moved back to LA, I was in Washington, D.C., uh, and I was covering the election, and I will never forget one night I was walking out of the office, kind of late, maybe like eight or nine, but I saw this amazingly gorgeous statuesque woman with perfect hair perfect makeup and this like gorgeous like ballroom dress you flatter so. and i looked over <laughs> and i was like who is this statuesque woman is it the mayor of something senator something and i looked closer and i was like is that crazy eyes no where was oh at the white house correspondence dinner. that's what it was <laughs> and so i i i will never forget how different you looked in that moment than you did on your show, and then I was reading up on this. Like, apparently, there's a whole phenomenon for the double take people have when they see you all dolled up because they're used to seeing you in this Netflix show where you look entirely different. It's who called it the the crazy eyes double take.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. You have me taking my shoes off. I was
0: like sweating for a second. Um, no, like I have my uh, shoes off too. That's my good luck charm for the studio. I don't oh, wear shoes. Oh yes, I'm yeah. taking them off. Do it.
1: Um, yeah, like I think. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's like you're in prison garb. You obviously are not like wearing makeup. Your character is named Crazy Eyes. There's not too (laughs) much glam prep that's happening. And in fact, you know, I go to work uh-huh. and they fill in my eyebrows. Like, the only makeup I get is to make it worse. Like, it's <laughs>
0: like, you know, really? What I mean? Yes. What when is the first... most worse making makeup thing they okay, do? Okay, so
1: they fill in my brows, mm-hmm. they make them like fuller and more intense. Nice. Um, they make my skin look a little blotchier because when really? I started on the show, our. Uh, department head for makeup, Michael, at the time, mm-hmm. my bag still says on the outside when we had to do our, you know, assessment and tests, She was like, your skin is too nice. And wow. she, my notes were make skin look worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> make skin look worse. So they take like black shadow a little bit and no. they like break it. it Karen, who is our head now, she says it's like it's called breaking it up, breaking up the skin. Oh my god! And so they break it up to make it look like less even and nice. Um, wow. I don't get any. I sit there in envy because like sometimes I'm like, there are girls like getting foundation put on, <laughs> and like eyeliner, yeah. mascara. Some girl, and I'm like, wow, okay, well, Damn. but it's freeing at the same time because How you so- know no one's being like, super glammed up yeah. on our show. Everybody yeah. is, um, you know, it's, it's pretty minimal for television. Um, and, you know, one of our castmates, um, Natasha Leone, said it really right once, um, how it sort of takes the pressure of the, the designers and the bags and the shoes and the mm-hmm. heels and the dresses and the couture and all of this off the table, and yeah. it just becomes about, you know, doing the work. Does it make the acting better? I don't know if it necessarily makes it better, but I certainly think that it makes it more equitable, you mm-hmm. know, because in line with what um, Natasha said, you know, it's like she said it so like spot on. It's like, you know, back in the day, like the James Cons and, you know, the Gene Hackmans and, you know, the Brandos and the Hoffmans, all these guys, you know, in that golden age, new mm-hmm. golden age, just got to show up Mm. and do the gig. Yeah, and show up drunk. (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) well, they got to show up, and I don't know if women have always had that opportunity Uh. to just show up Uh. and be their not most prize-winning self or their most glamorous self, their most beautiful self on that day, even when they're telling something maybe sort of tragic. Um, So it's great to see that that equity is sort of playing out on our show, and Genji is really who created our show. Genji Kohane was really keen on, you know, it being about the story, yeah. you know, and she didn't. And it's she wanted to tell a real and authentic story, and I think we have that there. I think we get to see also women in this scenario. Exist authentically, yeah, and that's cool.
0: And exist in such a nuanced way. I, I, I can recall devouring the first season of the show and saying to myself, "This is so groundbreaking," mm. because I've never seen character development. With the level of nuance and substance and detail and care for mm. poor women for women mm. of color mm. for women mm-hmm. who aren't highly mm-hmm. educated mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. see that level of detail and nuance for those stories and this show did that and mm. even now you know watching season six it still feels just as groundbreaking mm. mm-hmm. i mean like like i really can't compare it to any other show in terms of the way it treats seriously the story of marginalized women.
1: hmm hmm Well, we don't give them space in the yeah. world. You know, like, yeah. it, it's prison and, you know, monasteries are these two worlds. We kind of, like, shut, take people and we <laughs> shut them away, yeah, right? And we yeah. always, it's very voyeuristic in that way. We don't get to ever see in, so mm-hmm. we, for ourselves, we imagine who we think these people are. And since the only information we have about them is their sentence exactly. and the crime that they're committed? We paint on them all these other ideas of who these individuals are. Mm. And you know, our, I loved so much our first season logline was: "Every sentence has a story." Yeah, and I thought that was so true because they're more than just their crime,
0: exactly, and
1: their circumstance, exactly. You know, these are people who come from some of them challenging backgrounds, some not, exactly. Um, and you get to really sort of dig into who they're into their humanity, and um I certainly don't think we get the opportunity enough to see such a wide array of women of color mm-hmm. of different colors oh, yeah. existing in a single space you mm-hmm. know um, that's still something i I haven't yet seen copied yet in um This golden age of television, you know, Orange is unique in that it's not only a female driven show telling this particular story, but such a wide
0: makeup of different women. Exactly. It's beautiful. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I find so often that there are certain emotions that are given to characters of a certain class Mm. that we don't allow poor characters. Uh, or not as intelligent in our minds characters have. Like, For sure. We don't allow poor people on TV to experience ennui or ambivalence mm. or con- conflict about a thing. Like, we only let the rich ones feel more than one thing at a time. Mm. And I really appreciate how the show shows that, like, we all feel love and conflict and this and that and want and need. Like, that's not just for upper class folks. Everyone feels these things.
1: Everyone feels those things. And I would even layer in, we'd never even get to let the people in our society who are the most disadvantaged serve as the teacher. Mm. You know? Yeah. Whether that's... From financial disadvantage mm-hmm. or, or you know mental dif- disadvantage, it's always they who are being taught, like they have something exactly. to learn from the the more affluent or mm-hmm. the highest person um, uh, of status, you know. Yeah. Um, that's that's the order of things that we experience it and that's not always necessarily so. I think it's interesting on our show where the lessons can be learned particularly mm-hmm. with, um, you know, you think about Piper and I think it's an education for people, you know, who watch our show and have been following our show season after season. You know, they come in thinking this is the woman I'm going to identify. And this with.
0: is the white woman who's blonde, the kind of upper yep. class. Yeah.
1: Uh, yep. And 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 we, we have decided, right, because mm-hmm. of how she looks mm-hmm. and where the world that she's from that her story is the one I will say connect to mm-hmm. or her story and her life is the the one that's comparable to my exactly. own. Exactly. Exactly. And actually what she learns and what we learn as viewers is no. Everyone in this world has purpose. Yeah. And everyone in this world has something to share and to give and to benefit from. And she discovers that as the world you know, season after season that, you know, she doesn't know everything. In fact, she can mess things up sometimes. And she's
0: trash. Like, her character (laughs) compared to the other ones. I'm like, I don't like like her. I I like crazy eyes. I like my girls. Like, she for me is like, and like, I know that she is a vital character in that show. Yes, she is. But I don't like her like I like the others.
1: Okay, well... I don't know what to do for you. I Take know. an Advil and call me in the morning. I but know. I think
0: they like, kind of want to make her problematic, right? Like they want to make her hard to love.
1: Well, because well, here's the thing. It's you know, again, I think it forces a reflection back at us,
0: mm. right?
1: Yeah. She what Piper does is and her function and need to exist is so vital because she is the one who actually she is not not only does she hold the mirror, she um, mm. she is the mirror. Mm. You mm. know? She is the mirror. She challenges your preconceived notions and ideas of who these people are. Yeah. The very fact that you might come in and be like, oh, I'm going to understand the story through this vantage point mm-hmm. challenges how you see people in the prison industrial system at large.
0: Yeah. And I should clarify uh, Taylor Schilling is a delightful actress who yes, plays the hell out of that role. <laughs> so, whatever uh, ill will I have is for the character, not for her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Taylor, we love you.
1: Yes, we do.
0: Okay, time for a break. When we come back, Uzo tells me about how you get it right when you're portraying mental illness on screen. BRB. The following message comes from our sponsor, Capital One. The CreditWise app from Capital One recently launched a social security number tracker. Here's Joe Witchurch, head of CreditWise, on what can happen if a fraudster gets a hold of your SSN and other identifying information. That person is likely going to be able to access your credit file, open credit cards, to open auto loans, to open home mortgages. And when those loans go bad and the impact shows up on your credit history, they're going to be long gone. It's important for us to ensure that candidly people get the credit that they deserve. And that's why as we've built out our CreditWise product, we've engineered features to not only educate people, this is how to use credit wisely, but this is also how to protect the credit that you've worked so hard to build. A little bit of effort can go a long way in helping you understand if you've been a victim of identity fraud. CreditWise is free for everyone, whether you're a Capital One customer or not. You can find CreditWise in your app or Play Store now. I'm Shankar Vedantam, host of the podcast Hidden Brain. All summer long, we're sharing stories about reinventing yourself as part of a series that we call You 2.0.
1: Rebels are not troublemakers. They're people who break rules that should
0: be broken. Subscribe and embrace your inner rebel. No leather jacket required. One of the things you do really beautifully on the show, and I know that a lot of folks would like you to unpack it, is how you portray um, you know, mental illness so poignantly and thoughtfully. I think it's very easy when someone uh, who is not dealing with those uh, disabilities tries to portray them. You can do it in a ham-fisted way or just make it not work. And the way you do it, it works. Um, one, I guess, describe what Crazy Eyes mental issues are, and then talk to me about how you get into those those roles. Um, well, firstly, thank you, yeah. I
1: appreciate that. Um, I think as a person of the world and having to um, take on this character, I feel responsible, mm. probably because of social media, mm. um, even more these days, because I have so many people who write me yeah. saying, you know, I have a student like this, or I have a child like this, or uh-huh. I'm a psychiatric nurse at such and such hospital, and oh, wow. I've had patients like this. And um, so there is a care there, I think, that starts for me yeah. in now in the building of this character. Mm-hmm. Um, and those stories, I read them online when I see them in my comments. I see them and um, they touch my heart and certainly help me to understand not only Suzanne, but the people around Suzanne who care for her, yeah, um, and people who've cared enough for the people in their own lives to write me,
0: yeah, and to um, clarify for those that don't watch the show who are missing out, Suzanne is Crazy Eyes' real name.
1: Yes. Okay. So exactly Crazy Eyes. Um, so there's that part of it for the work coming yeah. in, but for me, when I started, really, I. I felt like it's you know, it's too on the nose to now trying to play crazy. Her name is crazy Eyes, So every time somebody says her name, we're aware that she is <laughs> yeah. looked at as crazy. So I don't need to do crazy and be like, uh. I'm blah, crazy, crazy. I'm crazy. Like yeah. I don't need to do that. We get, it. You know? yeah. we get it, right? So what I was more interested in um, when we started the show, and it still remains, is this is a person who is in love Mm. and this is a woman who is trying to know love Mm. get love the best she can yeah the best way she knows how that is my central focus Mm. and it and it's universal and that, that is a universal story in the season one she is trying to understand intimacy and love and connection in an intimate way with Piper. Season 2 it's maternal with V. She's trying to get her head wrapped around that. Season 3 it's self love. Mm. You know she's trying to understand and find that. Season 4 is what happens when you do get love. Are you Mm. ready for it when it comes to you? And 5 is friendship. The loss of when love leaves, huh, you know yeah. um when love leaves you, and six will come to when six comes out <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, no spoilers at all um yeah. yeah, and it's a it's a different walk, you know, like yeah, that's suzanne, person. and yeah. um i also so that was where I really rooted myself in mm-hmm. for her, you know, I rooted mm-hmm. her in love, and um what I also know for Suzanne is she is a person who is haunted mm and she has her demons, yeah. like all people yeah. have, and she's yeah. just trying to navigate through those waters as best she can, mm-hmm. um, navigate through her feelings as best she can, and um she's someone that i who acts before they think mm. and that is where her mm. mental health is in question because yeah. what that pause button that nanosecond that we all have to mm-hmm. consider a choice mm-hmm. and consequence um, she doesn't have she just moves yeah and it's not until after she's moved then she thinks about it that she thinks about what just happened
0: there is this scene uh, in episode 10 of season 5 where Suzanne ends up in like some white faced clown makeup. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she ends up in the bathroom and you see her looking at her face and thinking about her black skin and whiteness Mm -hmm. and then she's scrubbing off the white makeup and Mm -hmm. talking about black being beautiful and it just hit me like a train. We actually have a cut of it right here that I want to play just for a second.
1: Your skin is beautiful. Like walnut wood, and soil, and western comb flowers and old metal, and dark maple syrup in brown jars. wear a hat or else your skin will get
0: darker and always always moisturize and just seeing that scene Mm -hmm. this is something that every person with dark skin has done for themselves at some point in their life you've Mm -hmm. had to look in the mirror and tell yourself in this world that might not love what you look like that you are beautiful Mm -hmm. And regardless of her mental illness, this is a reality for so many black people, Mm -hmm. so many brown people. And what I love with what you did with that, it wasn't just a hey, yeah, sister girl, black brown skin affirmation. You see her struggling and being ambivalent over she she is struggling with whether she actually does love her black skin. You know, and and, and she is struggling with knowing that she is beautiful and knowing that black is beautiful, but also probably having internalized a lot of messages that say otherwise. And you go to that kind of ambivalent space so wonderfully. How'd you get there?
1: Well, I mean, I think you started it in a pretty clear place, you know. um, When you are not being validated or affirmed through society you know it challenges every child every brown black little child into wondering well am i enough Mm. and for myself you know i grew up in a very traditional um new england town Mm -hmm. very few people of color in Mm. my class yeah uh Growing up in my, and even fewer black people in my hometown. Yeah, and um, you know when you're in your formative adolescent years, and you know you like the big deals are crushes, right? Yeah. And the big deals yeah. are you know what whether you have sambas or not. You know, like <laughs> these are these are like the big deals: the Banana yeah. Republic shirt or not. You uh-huh. know. Uh um, huh. And, you know, in term when it comes to dating, this was an easy access point because when I was growing up and around me, mm-hmm. beauty was defined. The girls who boys liked had blonde hair, mm. blue eyes, mm-hmm. brown hair, mm-hmm. green or hazel eyes, and that was looked
0: at as beautiful. Oh, yeah. And the body types were different. They weren't having the curves. They weren't having None the lips, the that. nose. Yeah.
1: Any of that. And... What happens automatically, and this is why things like representation and visibility matter, initially you think, well, if this is what is beautiful, Mm -hmm. then the antithesis must be ugly.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. Or not as beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, so I had that wrestling, Mm -hmm. of course, Mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, And and then if you want to layer on top of that, Additionally, and everything about your blackness—I, my parents are from Nigeria—like your Africanness. Let's not mm. even take yeah. black. My yeah. Africanness yeah. is additionally a hindrance. Hmm. You know, you're not even fair skinned You're not even like exactly. You have you have a gap. You have all these other things. You know what I mean? You layer that in. Your name sounds great. It's complicated becomes even more complicated, and um challenging to see where you fit. Yeah. Um, and you have to do the work. And I I mean, you know, I thank I really truly I thank God for my mom. I thank mm. God for my family because these are beautiful, strong, chocolate, gorgeous, phenomenal women yeah. who just kept pushing and pressing and forcing myself, my sisters, my brothers, everybody to be like, no 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 no. <laughs> yeah. We are not going to buy into this narrative. Yeah. This is not where we are from Uh or who we are from. Exactly. Whom we are from. And so eventually it starts to tick the other way and you start to realize as you grow up, you're like, wait, no, 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 no. I look good. (laughs) I look not good. I look great. (laughs) I look great. Yeah. You know, and I am perfectly fine the way that I am in my blackness, in my power, in my skin, mm-hmm. in my face, mm-hmm. and it is beautiful. And so when Suzanne is staring at that mirror, Uzo mm. and Suzanne are simultaneously I I I was playing it for myself more like really? she is both mother and daughter simultaneously in this mm. moment. To and herself this, to, to, her. to herself. Wow. She is both listener and speaker. And it was uh, our director on that episode Laura Prepon mm-hmm. who um, you know we'd done a couple takes and I was like this is you know the version it could be like that and it, like this and this and you know um, she came to me on one take and she just said take as much time as you need mm. because this is yeah. more yeah. take as much time we will wait and um, it's interesting what happens when you wait
0: hmm. What um,
1: happens? Well, heart mind connection first of all, yeah, and um, truth telling mm. comes out rather than representative tell mm-hmm. representation, right? Mm-hmm. So now I can give you a representation of it, and that can be moving, and people can connect. Yeah, but when you wait, now, now the actor feels something.
0: What did you feel in that moment? I knew you felt something watching it.
1: Free. I felt free. Yeah. And I felt like um, the twisted pain and joy mm. of, w- of what it feels like to break free. Almost like um, a butterfly before it comes out of yeah. the cocoon. Yeah, yeah, You know? We know there's beauty on the other side, mm-hmm. but it must hurt a little to break out that first puncture yeah. through, yeah. you know, to break through out of that confining Because that's been your skin. Base,
0: yeah. It's your prison, but it was also your skin.
1: Yes. And it's so confining. Um, and to feel that release when you come out of the other side and your wings are this gorgeous gold and blues and, you know, wonderful oranges. Like, all of that's, like, sh- vibrant and alive. Like, on the other side, it's like, wow, yes! yeah. Felt free. I'm not
0: crying, you're crying. What? Who's crying? This is water
1: I threw on my face. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, after the break, Uzo talks about her journey as an actress, moving from the stage to the screen and getting to Orange is a New Black. We'll be right back. Special, special announcement. You've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. We're having a live show in Los Angeles on Monday, July 30th. Me in conversation with John Cho, the actor you know. He's got a new movie we're going to talk about. The movie is called Searching, and it is a tech thriller unlike any you've ever seen before. Also, his director, Anish Chaganti, will be on stage with me. It's going to be great, and I want you there. Get your tickets at nprpresents.org nprpresents.org. To all my SoCal listeners, come hang with me Monday, July 30th in Los Angeles.
1: Hannah Gadsby's Netflix comedy special, Nanette, is a cultural phenomenon, and Pop Culture Happy Hour is talking about it with special guest Kumail Nanjiani, who knows his stuff when it comes to comedy. Hear the episode wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Uh, talk to me about your upbringing. You. Yeah child of immigrants from Nigeria. You grew up in Massachusetts. Where in Massachusetts? This small town called Medfield.
1: Why did your parents pick there? My parents picked Medfield because of the education. Okay. Well, A, I'm one of five children. So um, they were not about to send us all to private school. So so they needed a really great public school. And Medfield had... If it wasn't the best at the time, it was certainly one of the best public schools in Massachusetts okay. at the time. Okay. They, you know, and they were very. My family is um, very traditional. Okay. Uh, Nigerian. Um, we are proudly Nigerian, as the expression has uh, come to become a hashtag now. I love it. I love we're it. Proudly Nigerian um, in terms of food, in terms of Language in terms of um dress okay. in terms of cultural upbringing, all of it very, very, very proud. Um, and so it was, I guess I would say it was it's this um mashup. And, you know, people talk about code switching all the time. And I'm like, I have another code from which I can uh-huh. switch. you know, you know, yeah. it's it's a mashup of being. Very American, but mm-hmm. also being very Nigerian at the same time, yeah, um, and having your foot in both places, um I guess I would say, and having to learn how to uh, navigate as a kid, um people who aren't used to people with accents or yeah. if we're having uh, you know a house party like the music that's playing and <sighs> blaring out of the speakers uh-huh. and they seeing lines of cars parked all the way down the block, you know, my neighbors, and they're seeing all these people coming out in what they consider to be funny outfits. But Mm. I look at then and now as the most beautiful and royal and kingly way in which um, I've ever seen my family dress. Yeah, you know. Um, And it's something that I've always been proud of. I've always been very proud to be Nigerian, um, my whole family. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my high school graduation. Um, you know, we're inviting our family and we're having a graduation party, and my mom's asking me, you know, what is it that she wants, what is it that I want her to cook for my guests yeah. and have there? And I was like, I want macaroni and cheese, mm-hmm. and I want burgers on the grill, and hot dogs, and lasagna. And I was like, but I also want. Jollof rice. Yes, yes, with yes. Fried beef. I know what you're talking about. Rice and red stew. Uh-huh. Come on, somebody. You better. <laughs> you want, better. <laughs> I want egusi soup uh-huh. and onubu soup. Yeah. And my mom, I remember being like, okay, like kind of excited quietly, like, oh, oh you want all of that out She's or do you like want like it my in baby the loves house? It. Yeah. yeah. You want it in the house or do you want it out? And I was like, I want it out on the table with everybody to have some, you know, and I yeah. want everybody to try it. And then You know, a little while later, she came to me and she asked, you know, um, and how do you want us um, to come dressed? Because if Um, my family is going to a formal event. They're going to do it. They come traditionally dressed, but they also know they're coming to this very small graduation Mm -hmm. in this very small New England town. Mm -hmm. And I told my mom, I said, I want you to tell every single person in our family who is coming I want them to wear traditional clothes yeah and she said why and I said because I want everyone in that audience to know where we come from yes and yes um, and um, my mom I'll just never forget she just had the biggest smile and just this immense pride yeah um, that and my family as well there at the graduation yeah. that they got to stand in celebration mm-hmm. of who they are yeah, and, and where they are. are from and, 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 and who and, I and, am. And all of those things coming together in you. Absolutely, beautiful. absolutely. And I have so many pictures from it, it's like, it was, yeah. Please just tweet them. Me. I want to see them. <laughs> I will. They're actually on my dining room table currently. Cause oh, I just went through nice. <laughs> like a, whole, a whole heap of pictures that my uncle just sent me. I yeah. love it. I love it. It made me so happy. I look back at it now and I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad, like, that that happened. Yeah. Um, you see there's no mistaking from where I come. Exactly. You know? I no. So.
0: I love it. I was reading that before you got the role on the show, yeah, you literally had, you were late for some audition and ended up like praying to God to let you find your other path because it wasn't going to be acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me that story. And like, wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. So the day I got, the day that I got this job, mm-hmm. um, I had another audition for another show, mm-hmm. which um, show? TV show, Blue Bloods, which you also got. Which I wound up getting, (laughs) but at the time um, I, I obviously didn't have as I was auditioning. I was I got the wrong directions to the audition. Who
0: gave you the wrong
1: directions? It, was, it does not matter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not important. <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
1: I was given the wrong directions. I showed up at the wrong place. Oh no. And I had to yes, and it was like the first time I'd ever had an audition in Brooklyn, so it was oh. like already I didn't live in Brooklyn at the time. Oh. Um so it was already like out of my wheelhouse, so I had to get back on the train go whatever. I get there, I'm like 20 minutes late 30 minutes something like this yeah. which is like not good tab- for auditions at all this yeah. is huge taboo yeah. in actor world Yeah, uh, actors out there <laughs> the actors, <laughs> just so you we know are, kids we're not late for auditions <laughs> yeah. ever um, and so I get there and I was you know sweating it was a hot <laughs> september day yeah, like crazy yeah. hot i'm standing in front of this huge industrial fan trying to like <laughs> dry off i'm not joking oh my god trying to dry off casting director comes out It's like are you ready and i'm like yep you know i go in <laughs> i read my audition and i had a great audition okay. and i remember leaving uh-huh. thinking that was a really good audition but you're not going to get the job because you were late yeah. and this is God, the universe telling you that this is not for you. It's been no all summer long. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you're not supposed to be doing this. And I'm on the train, and immediately I walk out of that audition, I burst into tears. Not like loud tears, but just like those tears that you can't stop from coming down your face. Oh yeah. You know, and I get on the-
0: chest heaving tears. Yes, and I'm
1: like boohooing on the train, and I just closed my eyes and I said, this is not for you. God is telling you this is not for you. Mm. And I said, I am giving it up. And it was the first time I'd ever quit in this business. I'd never quit before. I doubted before or Mm -hmm. questioned. Uh But I had never, like, in my heart quit. And I said, um, you know, growing up, my parents, you know, just like classic, like, immigrant parents are like, thinking you're going to be like a doctor, or a lawyer, mm-hmm. or whatever, all of this. Yeah. And I said, um, if you can figure out a way for me to go back to school and become a lawyer,
0: I will go. You're talking to God at this point. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I was like, I will go. Wow. And I just kind of like let it go. Yeah. And I got home. And I put on my favorite uh, person in the world, Ms. Oprah's Master Class. Love her. <laughs> Love Ms. Winfrey. Love her. She is everything. Yes, she is. And um, Talk about I had talking a, to God. I mean, <laughs> <Talk> to Oprah. <laughs> okay. Um, and I scrolled through my DVR and I saw an episode of Masterclass with Lauren Michaels. And SNL, this is like Michaels. At SNL, Lorne Michaels. Yeah. And he, I had been skipping over his for some reason. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know why. Like, I kept skipping, and I was like, "Am I going to watch Oprah's?" And I was like, "No, I've seen that recently." I was yeah. like, "Am I going to watch Jane Fonda's?" No, I just watched. I was like, "You know what? Let me just watch this Lorne Michael one yeah. because <laughs> I haven't been watching it. I keep skipping over it, keep skipping over it." Yeah. And I put it in, and he's talking about starting SNL, and like when it came out, like it was panned, and people like critiqued it and was like they didn't like it and he was like sitting in his confessional and he was like I'm going to give it one more chance. I guess he did some bit about bees like the bees like giving (laughs) birth to bees or something and like people are like what is this Uh and he was sitting there and he was like I said to myself I'm going to give it one more chance and if I can just keep the faith and he said keep the faith the screen dissolved into what looked like a country time lemonade commercial whoa I kid you not, true story. The words keep the faith scrolled across the screen. Okay. And it was like the sky had all these like purples and oranges and reds, you know, like the sun setting, like a Country Time Lemonade commercial yeah, yeah. with like Donald Sutherland in the background, you know, like voiceover. <laughs> yeah. And it said keep the faith across the back, the, the scrolled across the screen from left to right. Okay. And I said to myself, oh, I like that. Hmm. Um when I'm done with this episode, I'm gonna rewind back to that, pause it, and tweet that, because oh, yeah. I had quit. And I said on Monday, I'm gonna call my manager and everybody and say I'm out, right? Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna scroll back to that and tweet it. And I didn't even finish the thought, mm-hmm. tweet it. Yeah. And my phone rang, it was sitting on my uh, living room table. Mm-hmm. It was September 14th, 2012. Okay. p.m. Okay, and my agent and manager were on the phone calling to tell me that I got Orange Is the New Black. Wow! I started crying immediately. The TV's still going. Lauren Michaels talking about whatever Lauren Michaels is talking about. (laughs) My sister was ready scheduled to come over, and we were going to have a sushi and wine party. Mm -hmm. Like, I was going to tell her like I'm out of the game. I'm I quit. Yeah. She comes over. It winds up being a celebration. Yeah. I turn off the TV and here's the kicker, right? Okay. True story. Yeah. Completely true. Okay. Like two weeks later, mm-hmm. I'm still on Cloud Nine. I'm sure. It's like right before I'm going to start work on Orange on my first day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go back and finish watching that Lauren Michaels episode. And I was like, oh wait, actually I'm gonna go back and find that place that said keep the faith because I want to take a picture of it and put it up because it has even more meaning now. Uh I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm fast forwarding slowly, slowly, slowly. Don't see anything. I'm like, wait a second, I must have missed it. So I'm like, let me just watch it because it must have been like a blip. That's why I'm missing it. I watch it. I kid you not, it's not there. Girl. I'm, I'm, Uh -uh. I'm not kidding. I can't make this up. It's not there. Girl. What? True story.
0: What do you? Oh, true story. 100% I'm shook. True story. What do you think
1: it was? Message, as they say in church. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amen.
0: <Message.
1: laughs> it was what. Should, what I know, no one is going to convince me of is that I did not see that, mm. and that did not happen. Mm. It happened, and I can. See it's forever seared in my memory. Wow. And that's sort of how I move through life now. Even if you have, like, a low time, it's, like, supremely,
0: like, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. I love it. I appreciate you. I appreciate your work. I appreciate this conversation. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. This is a great conversation. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm waiting to see tweets of those photos of your family at your graduation.
1: (laughs) They may come up for you. Okay.
0: Many, many thanks to Uzo Aduba for that wonderful, really fun conversation. The new season of her show, Orange is the New Black, drops on Netflix this Friday. Check it out. Uh, Also, listeners, if you want to be on the show for our long-distance segment where we call a real-life person in the world and talk about the news in their neck of the woods, just email me at samsanders at npr.org, samsanders at npr.org. Okay, we're back in your feeds on Friday. Until then, talk soon.